This Family Life News Podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast history made in the U.S. House. For the first time in nearly 150 years, a cabinet member has been impeached. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. The resolution is adopted. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was impeached last night for his handling of the border crisis. Former White House Press Secretary Ari Fleischer. It just shows the urgency the House Republicans attached to securing the border. And that's why he was impeached, because he didn't secure the border. And I guess it proves the old adage, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. The House tried last week to impeach Mayorkas, but failed to get the necessary votes, uh, but they did last night. A conviction in the Senate, however, unlikely. Jerry Baker with the Wall Street Journal. While I'm not in favor of using impeachment to send messages or make political signals, I do think it's necessary that the American people have a chance to really hold their leaders accountable for what I really do think is one of the gravest failures of policy uh, by any administration in years. The Senate trial expected to get underway before the end of the month. Democrats have flipped a seat in the U.S. House with a special election victory last night in downstate New York. We won! Former Congressman Tom Swasey scoring a decisive win over his Republican challenger Mozzie Pillup, an Ethiopian-born mother of seven. Swasey says he's going to Washington to get things done. People of Long Island and Queens are sick and tired of the political bickering. They've had it. They want us to come together and solve problems. The Democrat has billed himself as a moderate, adding that this race was all about national issues made local. This race was centered on immigration and the economy, much like the issues all across our country. Swazi distanced himself from the president during the campaign. He fills the seat left vacant by the scandal-plagued George Santos, who was kicked out of Congress on December 1st. More questions than answers still when it comes to President Biden's mental fitness. He refused to take questions during a White House event yesterday, and it's got the critics wondering if he's up to snuff when it comes to running this country. Did you see his schedule yesterday? There was literally nothing on it outside of lunch with Kamala Harris. Media critic Joe Concha. This is a president who's like a remote control car, completely controlled and driven by others in terms of when and when he cannot speak to reporters and therefore the American people. He had three solo press conferences in 2023. Donald Trump had 35 in his final year in office. Biden's mental acuity has become a campaign issue in the 2024 race for the White House. Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley is taking shots at Donald Trump, whom she believes mocked her husband last week during a rally in her home state of South Carolina. If you don't know the value of our men and women in uniform, 
If you don't know the sacrifice that they go through, why should I, as a military spouse and all our military families, trust you to know you're going to keep them out of harm's way? During a rally at Coastal Carolina University, Trump asked about the whereabouts of Major Michael Haley, who's currently deployed overseas. The reality is he's never been anywhere near a military uniform. He's never had to sleep on the ground. He's never known how to sacrifice. And the most harm he's ever possibly had is getting hit by a golf ball when he's sitting in a golf cart. That's the truth. Haley's trying to make up ground on the GOP frontrunner in South Carolina, which holds its primary election February 24th. A 20-year-old Pennsylvania man was killed in Tuesday's Nor'easter when his snowmobile hit a downed power line in York County. Police say the man was thrown from the sled. He was not wearing a helmet. Some 10,000 people are still without power from the storm in Schuylkill County. Ride share drivers in 44 cities are protesting today over pay and safety issues. They plan to picket outside some of the nation's busiest airports. A lot of the drivers, they don't make uh, enough, especially I mean, these days the rates are really low. People are struggling. And it's not just ride share drivers who are unhappy at work. Correspondent Carter Evans says flight attendants as well want a better deal. Outside airports across the country, flight attendants walk the picket lines. Several thousand representing two dozen airlines at more than 30 airports, all with the same message. We've been fighting for contracts for probably two and a half years. The picketing comes at a crucial time for flight attendants who say they've been dealing more frequently with unruly passengers. Tim Green has been an Alaska flight attendant for more than 20 years. When was the last time you got a raise? Last significant raise for us was back in 2018. Before all the increase in prices and everything. Before everything started to skyrocket and, yes, inflation went nuts. That report from Carter Evans at LAX today. In Des Moines, Iowa, there was a huge turnout Tuesday for and against new legislation that defines the terms man and woman in state law. Hundreds of protesters showed up, many saying it is an attempt to erase the LGBTQ community and paint trans people as predators. It will place people in the line of fire. But supporters are calling it the Women's Bill of Rights. This bill will protect girls and women across Iowa. Allison Keyes in Des Moines, Iowa's governor, Kim Reynolds, says she'll sign the bill if it reaches her desk. Love and Lent on the calendar today. It's Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday marks the start of the 40-day a period of Lent, a time when people of faith practice self-denial leading up to Easter. Pastor Sean Rowe. It's a time of repentance and amendment of life. It recalls Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. It gives us a time to prepare for the celebrations surrounding Easter. The last time Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day lined up on the same day was 2018. The next time it'll happen will be 2029. Still to come on the Noon Report, the Cuse storms the court, gerrymandering decision, and AI under the microscope. Good afternoon, I'm Kevin Williams, kind of a brisk and cold afternoon, but with some sunshine. I'll have forecast details coming up in 10 minutes. All right, Kevin, we will see you then. In the meantime, let's check the stories making news where you live today. And we'll begin in Rochester, New York, where a pedestrian was struck by a snowplow last night on the city's north side. A woman in her 40s was hit in the road just past 6 p.m. The truck did not stop at the scene. It was eventually pulled over by police a mile away. The woman was taken to the hospital where she's listed in 
critical but stable condition. Snowfall tallies are coming in from Tuesday's nor'easter that barreled across much of Pennsylvania. Here's Family Life's Sarah Harness. In the Lehigh Valley, Bushkill Township took the prize with 11 inches of snow, followed by Danielsville with 10 and a half and Nazareth with 10. In the Poconos, Mount Pocono got 12 and a half inches, Jim Thorpe 10 and Lee Heighton 8, but Toby Hanna took them all with 14.5 inches. Snow fell at 2 inches an hour. Lots of shoveling in eastern Pennsylvania today. Hopefully this is it and no more. At the height of the storm, 150,000 people were without power, most in Schoolkill County. Sarah Harnish, Family Life News. Thank you, Sarah. Pickup truck and horse and buggy collided yesterday after the horse got spooked in Yates County, New York. Happened in the town of Barrington shortly before 3 p.m. There were four juveniles in the buggy at the time. Two were hurt. The driver of the pickup was not. A Pennsylvania school board is backtracking on its decision to require students use the bathrooms and locker rooms based on their biological sex. This dad's says the vote is a violation of his daughter's privacy rights. You've done a huge disservice to many women, many families, many daughters. The vote was 6-3 to three in the Perkiomen Valley School District. It has rescinded a policy adopted just four months ago. That original policy required transgender students use single-use restrooms in the schools. Several parents accused the school board of putting students' safety at risk with this new bathroom policy. A new report shows New York State leads the nation in taxes and ranks second only behind Alaska when it comes to government spending. This year's proposed New York State budget, by the way, has a price tag of $233 billion. It's due April 1st. The New York Independent Redistricting Commission will vote tomorrow on a new-look congressional map for the 2024 election. Family Life's Jeremy Miller. It's a big step in the ongoing redistricting battle that could decide control of the U.S. House. The panel will also have to vote on sending the new versions of those maps to the legislature, which will have to approve them. But those proposals have not been made public yet. The new lines will have long-lasting ramifications for New York and the country going into this year's elections and potentially for the next decade. Jeremy Miller, Family Life News. Thank you, Jeremy. Democrats have boosted their slim majority in the Pennsylvania House with a special election win last night in Bucks County, the suburbs of Philly. Voters electing a former school board member to represent them in Harrisburg. The victory by Jim Prokopiak gives Democrats a 102 to 100 seat advantage. Last week, Republican Joe Adams announced his resignation. He represented Pike and Wayne counties, which tend to lean Republican. Governor Shapiro says the special election to fill that seat will happen on primary day, April 23rd. Migrants were top of mind at the New York State Capitol yesterday with rallies on both sides of the immigration issue. Supporters of migrant rights called for greater protections from deportations. Democratic Assemblywoman Catalina Cruz. We are saying give us the bare minimum of an opportunity to keep our families Together. But those opposed to amnesty argue the state is already doing everything it can to encourage illegal immigration. Senate Minority Leader Rob Orr. Ice can't find you in New York to send you back because New York will not cooperate. New York will intentionally shield these individuals 
from federal immigration law. New York wants to spend another $150 million to represent migrants in court who cross the border illegally. New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik wants the state's attorney general to be disbarred or at least suspended for her handling of Donald Trump's civil fraud trial. Stefanik thinks Tish James is conducting a biased investigation. The attorney general, who campaigned on bringing Trump down, claims the ex-president inflated his real estate value to secure better loans. A verdict in the case is expected this month. Pennsylvania politicians have announced the creation of an artificial intelligence task force to better monitor the ever-evolving field of AI. Beaver County Republican Joshua Kale. I think people are concerned about what it actually is because they don't know what it is. And I'm one of them. I don't understand artificial intelligence. Northern Tier Representative Clint Owlett admits while artificial intelligence has the potential to do good, there's also an ugly side to this technology. Last week, I got a call from a dad who his daughter, there was a picture that circulated around the school that a young man uh, manipulated through AI that was just really terrible. IBM's Madison Gooch testified at a House hearing in Harrisburg yesterday. There has to be some level of accountability and recourse, okay, uh, for someone who creates this technology, but also somebody that deploys it and does something with it. Gooch says AI in and of itself is neither good nor bad. It's how it's used that makes all the difference. New York's move over law will be expanding at the end of March. At that time, you'll have to slow down and move over for all disabled vehicles, not just ones with flashing lights. AAA's Dan Fisher. People need to remember, too, just how fast something can happen. It's not, you know, it's not because you checked your phone for half a second that everything's because it was only half a second. It, it really can be milliseconds um, between life and death. Under the new expanded move over law, motorists must slow down 10 to 20 miles below the speed limit, even if it's just for a passenger vehicle. Originally, the move over law just applied to emergency crews, law enforcement, and construction workers. Multiple fraternities at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, have been temporarily suspended due to alleged hazing. The Ivy League school did not reveal the names of those fraternities or release any details about the hazing incidents. And the Syracuse Orange men's basketball team upset the fifth-ranked team in the country last night, scoring a seven-point win over North Carolina at home. Afterward, the fans stormed the court, and the players spoke to the press. They embarrassed us the last time we played them, and we wanted to come out and make a statement. To be able to pull a win like that against a great team just shows, you know, we're just growing with one another. It was personal. We just wanted to come in prepared. We needed it, and I'm sure no one gave us a chance to win this game or even thought that we could win the game. I was just happy for these guys. So, uh, so it was big. Yeah, we needed it. The Q's lost by 36 points to the Tar Heels in their last game last month in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. We've got more sports next. It's the two-minute drill as the noon report rolls on on Family Life. <laughs> Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob Jordan Greenway lit the lamp twice as the Sabres had the home crowd hopping all night long. A 7-0 blowout over the LA Kings was the reason why. Everything went right for Buffalo in this one. Zach Benson, Rasmus Dahlin, Kyle Ocpozo, J.J. Paterka, and Alex Tuck all found the back of the net. And Uka Pekka Lacona didn't let any of the Kings' 34 shots get 
surpassed him as he recorded his fourth shutout of the season. In the Big Apple, the Islanders fell in overtime to Seattle 2-1. Kyle Palmieri had New York's lone goal. Also skating to wins, the Lightning, Maple Leafs, Canadiens, Senators, Avalanche, Devils, Stars, Canucks, and Oilers. In the NBA, the Boston Celtics up their winning streak to five games with a 118-110 victory over the Brooklyn Nets. Jason Tatum poured in 41 points and grabbed 14 rebounds to lead the Seas. Mikael Bridges led Brooklyn with 27. Other winners on the hardwood, the Thunder, Heat, Suns, T-Wolves, and Lakers. The New York Knicks have filed a protest over their recent loss to Houston. Now a protest must prove a misapplication of a rule. And since the head ref in the game, Ed Malloy, has admitted the foul call by Jalen Brunson in the game's final second was an incorrect call, I would say the Knicks' chances of winning the protest are good. Only six protests in league history have ever been upheld. And the Orlando Magic have retired number 32. Shaquille O'Neal becomes the first Magic player to have his number retired. And he is just the third player ever to have his jersey retired by three different teams. Joining Wilt Chamberlain and Pistol Pete Maravich. That is a look at sports. All right, that's some exclusive company right there. Thank you, Randy. Still to come on the Noon Report. Mayorkas impeached, Santos' seat filled, and when God says no, we'll talk about it next. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Back in AD 325, the Council of Nicaea decided that Easter should be celebrated on the Sunday following the first full moon, either on or after the spring equinox. In other words, without going into too much detail here, the date upon which Christians celebrate the resurrection is the result of a sort of astronomical convergence. Well, this year, there's another fascinating religious and cultural convergence on the calendar. It's today, which is both Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. Could there be two more culturally different days than these? Valentine's Day is associated with flowers and candy. On Ash Wednesday, people receive dark smudges on their foreheads. On Valentine's Day, people expect romance. On Ash Wednesday, people expect to hear about repentance and self-denial. The words to remember on Valentine's Day are, I love you. On Ash Wednesday, the words are, remember your dust and to dust you will return. Now, one reason that these days seem to not fit together is that we've completely forgotten the real history of Valentine's Day. Before it was the corporate creation of greeting card companies, it was a day to remember 3rd century Christian martyr Valentinus of Rome. Not a lot is known about Valentinus, but the most widely accepted version of his martyrdom is that he ran afoul of Emperor Claudius II who had prohibited marriage in Rome because of his belief that Roman men would be unwilling to join the army because of their strong attachment to their wives and families. So Valentinus defied the emperor by marrying couples in secret. He was caught and executed either on or about February the 14th. Now, whether the story happened exactly that way or not, every ancient reference to Valentinus associates him and February the 14th with martyrdom and sacrifice. And so the day in light of this history is far more fitting for Ash Wednesday and the observance of Lent, which begins today. On the other hand, our culture's view of love, sex, and romance is so twisted and dangerous, it seems appropriate to celebrate Valentine's Day with more than a bit of repentance. This is not to say that romantic love, or what C.S. Lewis called eros, is wrong. In fact, it's a gift from God. 
Lewis wrote in The Four Loves that when rightly ordered, eros causes us to, quote, toss personal happiness aside as a triviality and plant the interests of another in the center of our being, end quote. Romantic love, Lewis thought, could be a foretaste of what we must become to all if love himself rules in us without a rival. And that explains just how much Eros has become disordered. It should not be seen as an end in and of itself, but as a means, something that points beyond itself and that points our hearts beyond ourselves to something higher and better. That higher love is, of course, agape a love that only comes from God himself. Lent prepares our hearts to receive this total self-giving love of God, this love that caused God to become man and live and die as one of us for our sakes despite our sin and rebellion. Even so, none of that lets husbands off the hook with your wives, so don't forget the flowers. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. For more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. John outside next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. Brisk and cold with sunshine, patchy clouds, and high temperatures ranging close to 30. Any of those lake flurries are fading fast. For tonight, clear to partly cloudy and cold, low temps, mid-teens to mid-20s. Clouding up tomorrow, some afternoon snow and rain showers. High temperatures, 30s to near 40. Mostly cloudy Friday, some limited sun, a touch of lake snow and flurries, and a high in the 30s. All right, Kevin, thank you. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Lots happening this Wednesday, the 14th of February. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, now just the second cabinet official ever to be impeached. The last time it happened was 1876. It happened again last Last night in the U.S. House, Larry Sabato at the University of Virginia calls it political theater. They're posturing as though they're doing something about the border, except that just last week they destroyed the best proposal that has been on the table for decades to deal with the border crisis. But Republicans argue Secretary Mayorkas has endangered national security with an open borders policy, and he has to go. Border security is the number one issue in every single campaign, in every single state, every single city, and every single community. When you look at the egregiousness, the breach of public trust, uh, the fact that the Secretary has willfully refused to comply with the law. Eleven House impeachment managers will present their case for conviction in the Senate, where a trial will likely get underway later this month to determine whether Mayorkas should be removed from office. Democrats were able to flip a seat in Congress last night with a special election victory in downstate New York. Former Congressman Tom Swasey securing the seat once held by the ousted Republican George Santos. In his victory speech, Swasey called on Republicans to stand up to Donald Trump. Let's send a message to our friends running the Congress these days. Stop running around for Trump and start running the country. Swazi beat local Republican Mozzie Pillip by eight points in a district that Joe Biden won by eight points back in 2020. A new Gallup poll shows the reasons why the president's approval rating is in the dumps. Illegal immigration is the top issue cited by voters when asked why they disapprove of President Biden's job performance. Disapproval of his handling of the economy was a distant second. Inflation, third. 13% cited his competency and his age. 
I'm Rory O'Neill. You may have trouble finding an Uber today. Rideshare drivers are protesting in 44 cities nationwide. Steve Everett's been driving the streets of Chicago for nearly a decade. Rideshare drivers need a little love, too. We went from working 40-hour work weeks to now working 80 hours per week. We need safety. A lot of drivers are getting carjacked every single day. Lyft, Uber, and DoorDash drivers plan to protest by parking their cars and turning off their engines outside some of the country's busiest airports. People who work in ERs have seen just about everything, but this might take the cake. Reporter Jennifer Kuiper. As the usual business was taking place at St. David's North Austin Medical Center, there was a large crash and an SUV ended up inside the emergency department. The driver died. Leticia Estrada works at the hospital. Yeah, broken glass all over. It looks like a bomb just blew in there. Austin police say preliminary information indicates the incident does not appear to be an intentional act. Jennifer Kuiper reporting from Austin, Texas. Five others were hurt in that accident. What if not getting what you want is exactly what God wants? Family Life's Martha Manikis Foster does a deep dive on that. That concept in this week's edition of Inside Out. If you've been pursuing Christ for any length of time, you know that Jesus does not say, if you follow me, you'll get everything you want. But have we asked ourselves whether not getting what we want is good, whether it's actually a gift from God? Well, that's our topic today on Family Life's Inside Out, where we look at how God transforms his people from the inside out. My guest is the Reverend Dr. A.J. Swoboda. He's Associate Professor of Biblical Studies and World Christianity at Eugene, Oregon's Bushnell University and leads a Doctor of Ministry program at Friends University. His new book, The Gift of Thorns, comes out next week. You know, E.J., as Christians, we teach that God is good. So does God define the good he has for us differently than, than we define good? And why is it that what we desire and what really happens are often so different? Mm. Most of us don't know what we want, and there's a reason why, and that is that we have struggled to allow Jesus and the healing hand of the Holy Spirit to actually enter into our wants and our desires. As a father, I've learned that my son often asks for things that he doesn't realize in the end are not good for him. And they, they feel right and good at the moment. They seem to be things that would be fine to have. But just by virtue of my own experience in the world as a 42-year-old, those things can often lead to not good stuff. And so for him, not getting what he wants is actually the greatest good. And I can, I can only imagine that the same truth is all the more true about God mm. and that God knows what is good for us when we don't. And so, in, in a way, our understanding of desire has to be structured around that, to ultimately assume God's desires for us are the best desires, and, and believing that is our first step in being followers of Christ. So to kind of turn the conversation just a little bit, it seems that at least some of the people we love who are pulling away from the Christian faith are people who threw their lot in with God and now feel let down, like they thought that God made a bargain and he hasn't kept up his part of that bargain. So is this kind of thinking that God makes a bargain with us, that he has an obligation to us, is it rooted in something that the church has taught or failed to teach about living as disciples of Jesus? You know, we have to distinguish, in, and this is, this is critical for somebody who has is, who is experienced what you're talking about. 
somebody. Somebody's walked through a divorce, and they they they're like, "Where were you, God? Uh-huh. They lost a child. Uh, they lost a job. They, they didn't experience the healing that they thought would happen. These, these sorts of things. Right. We have to we have to be very careful to distinguish between did God let me down or did my expectations of God let me down. Uh-huh. We've got to be cautious to not assume that God and our expectations about God are the same same exact thing. Mm-hmm. AJ, would you talk about how not getting everything we desire is actually a gift? I have grown the most in my spiritual journey with Jesus in places where I have not gotten everything I want. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm trying to say is I don't grow in the great times. I grow in the times when I'm mad that I didn't get what I want God to do. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I, I can't help but think it's connected. The, the one thing Jesus is, is wearing on the cross is what? A crown of thorns. thorns. And, that, and that there's this just little hint in Genesis 3 that, that the land, it will produce thorns. Mm-hmm. But don't forget those thorns. They will be for you. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate picture of the thorns is it is for us as the one who wears them is our life. Mm-hmm. And, our, and our sacrifice. And of course, Jesus lived a life of willingly giving up everything he wanted. In fact, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he pleads with the Father to not die on the cross. Mm-hmm. And yet he submits himself to what the Father wants over what his flesh and emotions wanted. Mm-hmm. And so I think life, life is in those places in our life. I think the, th- the thorns are gifts. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're a problem. I think they're gifts. And so that would be your encouragement to those listening who feel like things that ought to be okay with God for them to have or be, and it's not happening. Their pains, you're saying, we may not see it as a gift right now, but that they actually are. Well, I'll put it this way. At least in our world, unless you embrace the thorn, you won't ever receive the the rose. And and that with every thorn, there is a rose. Mm. We tend to focus on the thorn and we forget the rose. Good stuff there from the Reverend Dr. A.J. Swoboda, author of The Gift of Thorns. You can hear Martha's complete interview on our website at familylife.org. Just look for the news tab on the podcast page. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. An area of high pressure over Lake Huron will provide for a cold, dry, occasionally sunny afternoon. Back when that sun shines, it'll be bright. Our next weather maker is in the Midwest. It's a front and low pressure. Bring us some snow and mixed rain showers tomorrow afternoon and night. Some lake effect in its wake on Friday. Another system bears watching for the weekend. For this afternoon, brisk and cold with sunshine, patchy clouds, and high temperatures ranging close to 30. Any of those lake flurries are fading fast. For tonight, clear to partly cloudy and cold. Low temps, mid-teens to mid-20s. Clouding up tomorrow, some afternoon snow and rain showers. High temperatures, 30s to near 40. Mostly cloudy Friday, some limited sun, a touch of lake snow and flurries, and a high in the 30s. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. Finally at noon, not only is it Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday, but it's also a day to celebrate those who give the gift of life. Here's Family Life's Brian Query. February 14th is Organ Donor Day. It's celebrated annually on this day as a nod to one of the greatest gestures of love. It's a day to celebrate people who have saved lives in countless ways by donating blood marrow, blood, 
blood and organs. The first transplant was in 1950, and the first successful living organ donation was in 1954, when Ronald Lee Herrick donated a kidney to his identical twin brother. One organ donor can save seven or eight lives and help countless others through tissue donation. Statistics show that more than 100,000 people are waiting for life-saving organ transplants. So today, consider becoming an organ donor. You have the power to be there for someone, be their hero, and literally save their life. Mm. Brian Query, Family Life News. Good stuff, Brian. So celebrate love, celebrate Lent, and celebrate life all on one day today, Wednesday, February 14th. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this Family Life News podcast. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, please share it with others and click the subscribe button to automatically receive future episodes. Family Life is a listener-supported ministry. Podcasts like this are made possible by your financial partnership. Find out more at familylife.org.